So this is, so reining it in, the topic of God, right, obviously, but I was kind of led by this, our doctrinal statement, which is this. There is one God, creator of all things, infinitely perfect, holy, eternally existent in three equal persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is gracious, merciful, compassionate, abounding in steadfast love, and is the righteous judge of all mankind. I admit, that's a lot. Uh, it does kind of rein it in a little bit, and um, we'll also, next week, uh, Rick Oichel is speaking on the topic of the Son of God. The following week, Tim Knuth is speaking on the Holy Spirit. Um, there is someone coming toward the end, I think, uh, talking about future things, so you can kind of see some of those topics are going to get hit uh, from multiple angles, maybe. And um, as I was preparing, I think the, my initial challenge was, even in this, I felt like everything was doing this. It was all merging together. And how do I kind of try and split things out? Um, so here we go. I want to talk first about there's one God, creator of all things, and eternally existent. I have my next slide there, please. That does not show up real well, but that is the night sky. There's so much sunlight coming through that window, that's not even possible. Anyway, uh, I put that on there because one of my earliest uh, things that I remember, a conscious reflection about God, I would have been about eight years old. I remember where I lived, and I remember lying awake at night in my bed, unable to go to sleep, bothered by the question, how did God start? How did God start? And in my little mind, the only conclusion that I could come to and that I could go to sleep with was that he has always been. God has always been. And actually, though that's an impossible thing for us to wrap our minds around, it's, it's actually, that's a biblical um, reality. Next slide, please. Which is found in Psalm 90, verse 2, which says, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting you are God. From everlasting. That tells us God has no beginning. To everlasting tells us that God has no ending. And something with no beginning and no ending, particularly the no beginning part, is beyond my understanding. And though I can, con I can, I, I can relate to concepts like beginning and end, once you add no beginning, uh, what can I do with that at that point? This is beyond my comprehension. Isaiah 55, verse 8. Um, I think I got a slide for that one, too, there, James, please. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9 say, says, 
For my thoughts, this is God speaking, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts, my ways higher than your ways. Um, next slide, please, which is going to look a little random. Uh, this is part of my workshop at work. Uh, you know, we're always trying to categorize things, right? You know, compartmentalize things. And at uh, work, I'm doing this all day long, figuring out, that, okay, this goes here, and, and this is where I can find this. And um, as we think about that in relation to God, is what, what is God? What category can I put God in? You think about that. The next slide says the answer. God is holy. And we hear that word holy and maybe we don't think about exactly the meaning and, and, and sometimes it's kind of hard to wrap our minds around the meaning. But I believe the meaning is other or separate or set apart. As we think about God, He's other. We, we cannot equate him to anything else in all the universe. Indeed, he existed before the universe. He is in a class by himself. He is holy. And yet, at the same time, he is relatable. Relatable, as I mentioned maybe when I was praying, uh, we, he created us in his image. And so some things about God, like his omniscience, that he knows everything, we can relate. Not, not, we, I can't relate to that in many ways, but at least I know what knowledge is. I know what I know. Uh, I know a lot of what I don't know. And there's other things that I am clueless that I don't even know that they exist and know, etc. So there's that. When I think about God's omnipotence, strength, you know, we're constantly faced with our strength or ability to do something. And we're analyzing. I, I know for me, uh, in what I do, I'm analyzing what I can, what I can possibly accomplish, uh, what I can physically lift or can't physically lift, um, what I can make happen, what I can't make happen. So I can relate to, I know the concept of strength and ability, and yet this God who is omnipotent, he has all power, he can do everything. He's relatable because I know what strength is, but he's beyond my comprehension. Uh, I'm present. You're present. You're not at home right now. Well, maybe some of you listening on Zoom, y'all are at home, but you're not here. So we're in one place at one time. 
And we've got a God who is omnipresent. That's amazing. So he is unique. He is God. And we read that he is the one and only God. We'll hit some verses about that in a while. You know, this idea that God is other, that he is so mind-boggling and beyond can cause a couple of different reactions. We can reject him and say, there's something I can't believe in. That's the There's no way that there's something that amazing. That's one possible reaction. Or the other one is that we say, God, you are amazing. There is none like you. I praise you. I love you. I honor you. You alone are God. And we worship him. Well, how do we know there's a God? Uh, next slide, I think, is yes, thanks. Uh, we have a couple sources of revelation to, to show us that there is a God. One is creation itself. Psalm 19, verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Indeed it does. Romans chapter 1. I'm just going to read some verses from there. You're welcome to turn to any of these passages. I, I'm, you might just be better off listening, but either way, whatever suits you. I want to start in Romans 1 and verse 18 and read down the way here a bit. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. I hope you caught all that. But as we look around us at the world we live in, we have to say, Clearly, this was made by someone. And clearly, this someone existed before the creation of all these things that I see. And clearly, this someone is in a class of their own in regard to ability and knowledge, and frankly, in, char in, in, in regard to self-existence. We can't possibly look at creation and say, this just happened by chance. Verse 21 says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools 
and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. So verse 20, back verse 20, God says that those who look at all this and say, no, there's no God, they're without excuse. And verse 22 sums it up by calling them fools. Indeed, other portions of scripture tell us that the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Uh, next slide, please. Anybody recognize that? I thought, Mike, I was, I was banking on you, Mike, just to let you know. Okay, next slide. <laughs> that's, that, that's that first picture. And now it might become a little more recognizable. That's, uh, I don't know if you remember recently, there was this idea that one of the Chinese rovers up on the moon had spotted this hut on the moon. And there was some excitement about this idea that there was this hut structure on the moon and wondering what life form had made this hut. As it turned out, it was just a rock. Uh, next slide, please. Then just in the last, I think it's a couple, two or three months, you may have run across this, uh, this door on Mars. And uh, this rover, another rover, had spotted this door on Mars. And uh, as a, you know, we'll, we'll know in a week or so when it gets close enough so that they can see what's going on here. And, uh, and so they, a week later, they got close enough and realized, well, you know what, it's just, a, a, it's just the structure of the rock and how it's broken off. And, and so it's actually not a door. It's only actually this tall. And uh, so <laughs> that's not it. But it, it just struck me as I, was, um, as I was thinking about this idea of creation and, and the fact that we look around us and we can recognize that God is the creator and he's awesome. And, and man is, is out there getting excited about the possibility that there might be a door or doorish structure on another planet uh, giving the idea that there's life somewhere out there and there I'm not saying there's well I, I believe you know certainly there's angels and other invisible things out there that we don't see we know they exist um, and, and maybe there's some other galaxy or universe somewhere else that has life on it I, I I've never personally found a reason from the Bible to say that couldn't be a possibility um, I don't know, and obviously God doesn't really care that I know that information. Um, but uh, just this idea, we read in Hebrews 11.3, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. And uh, just some things to think about. God is awesome. He's, he's revealed himself to us in creation. Uh, next slide, please. God reveals or tells us about himself in his word. That's the other means of revelation, knowing that there's a God. Um, the very first verse in the Bible, Genesis 1-1, says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So God, who inspired the writing of that verse, the very first revelation, just comes from the point of view, the assumption 
the obvious assumption that there is a God. He exists and he is the creator of everything. Um, next slide, please. Another revelation of God is, is Moses at the burning bush. And I'll just turn there quickly. Exodus chapter 3. Uh, you probably know the story. I'm not going to go into the backstory too much there. But um, God revealing himself to Moses and uh, uh, saying Moses needs to go and uh, be the one who's going to stand up and, and, and represent God before Pharaoh and um, help deliver the people of Israel. And so Moses said to God in verse 13, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, and that's the word Jehovah, uh, as we say it in English, I guess, um, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. So God has revealed himself as I am. And that I am statement speaks of that he just is. He is self-existent. He is self-sufficient. He is awesome in power. He is timeless. He is I am. And that's the name he's to be remembered by forever. And we transliterate that to Jehovah. Um, Isaiah 44. Let's turn there. Isaiah 44, verses 6 through 8. I've got a hard eye on that clock back there, just, just so you know. <laughs> okay. This is what the Lord says, Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord Almighty. I am the first and I am the last. Apart from me, there is no God. Who then is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and lay out before me what has happened since I established my ancient people and what is yet to come. Yes, let him foretell what will come. Do not tremble, do not be afraid. Did I not proclaim this and foretell it long ago? You are my witnesses. Is there any God besides me? No, there is no other rock. I know not one. If God doesn't know about any other God out there, there's no other God out there. The omniscient one. Isaiah 45, verses 5 to 6. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. I will strengthen you, though you have not acknowledged me, so that from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting, men may know there is none besides me. I am the Lord, Jehovah, and there is no other. This is the one, the Holy One, 
Um, and there's no category that we can put him in other than the category of his own as the Holy One. And James, next slide. In the end, we, we cry, holy, holy, holy. Great is the Lord, and praise be to his name. Next slide, we've kind of hit on this already, and that's why I say a lot of these things kind of dovetail together and hard to separate, but I'll just read Isaiah 45, 18. This is what the Lord says, He who created the heavens, he is God. He who fashioned and made the earth, he founded it. He did not create it to be empty, but formed it to be inhabited. He says, I am the Lord, and there is no other. So just again, Jehovah, I am made the heavens and the earth. Uh, we read in Exodus chapter 20, verse 11, and the giving of the law uh, says, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them. So in six days he made heaven and all that's in it, the earth and all that's in it, and the sea and all that's in it. Next slide, please. Moving on to the next uh, portion of our... Of our um, statement of faith point that God is eternally existent in three equal persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now this is, first of all, we're clear here by verses that we just read that there is only one God. There aren't three gods or five gods or a thousand gods. There's only one true God. So when we read and think about this statement of that God is eternally existent in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, um, it does tend to create difficulties in our understanding. And we'll get to some of that hopefully here in a moment. But um, the first clue on this idea that God is a trinity, a tri-unity, which is what this doctrine is, the doctrine of the Trinity, um, is, is not something we're going to see in creation. Now, God's existence, we see in creation. We, we're faced, face to face with that. But the idea of the Trinity, um, if you have another clue, let me know afterwards. But I, I don't see that in the creation. But I do see it in the Word of God. The first clue there we read in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth the word God there is Elohim. Uh, the singular El means strength or power. Elohim is the plural uh, form of that singular word El for power. So Elohim, it's a, a singular noun, but it's followed by the singular verb created. So it's Elohim created the heavens and the earth. And in Isaiah 45, 18, we just read as well, again, it's uh, Elohim created, uh, formed the earth and made it. And we see in, in Genesis 1, uh, again, in God, the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and God said, let there be light. So there's some intimation there for uh, the Father, the Word, who is the Son, and the Spirit, um, in Genesis 1.26, we read, Let us make man in our image, in our own likeness. 
let us make man in our image. Who is God talking to here? Um, did anyone help God in the work of creation? Well, we don't see that. We see in verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And John chapter 1 then introduces us with the same language of Genesis 1. And uh, this is inspired by the Spirit of God who was having these things written uh, by John who was uh, a Jew who knew very well Genesis 1.1. And he begins this gospel with these words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Verse 10, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Colossians 1, 15 to 19. Now, Rick is going to cover more things next week, I believe, on... Uh, the deity of Christ, but just to look at some things here in regard to the Trinity, uh, verse 15, Colossians 1, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. So there's, as you look at some of these things, you could say, well, okay, so this is simple enough. So there's Jehovah, and then Jesus is, is um, God. He's revealed as God. But then you think about some things like, okay, he was with God, and he was God. And that sounds a little bit um, confusing. And you find God calling, I'm sorry, Jesus calling God, praying to God, talking to God. And you find um, the Father talking to the Son at his baptism, talking about the Son at his baptism. Uh, you find Jesus on the cross saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And you find Jesus saying in John 14, 28, the Father is greater than I. And you find Jesus saying in Mark 13, no one knows about that day or hour, not the, even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. And so what am I getting at here? Um, the idea that the Trinity is the most attacked doctrine in the Christian faith is beyond dispute. 
It's a revelation that we see, it's a mystery that we see revealed slowly in the Old Testament. We see verses and we think, hmm, okay, what's going on there? And we see it more fully developed as the Son of God takes on flesh. He's the pre-existent one. And he comes into this world he created and he reacts in this world as a man. There's, there's a concept called modalism that, that God, well, it's just that God has revealed, he reveals himself at different times in different ways. Sometimes he reveals himself as the Father. Sometimes he reveals himself as the Son. Sometimes he reveals himself as the Spirit. But when we, when we see verses like Jesus talking about going into all the world and preaching the gospel, and baptizing those who believe in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we see the baptism of Jesus himself. Jesus is there and the Spirit of God is descending on him. And the voice comes from the Father saying, this is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. We can't possibly believe in modalism. So, does it cause you anxiety to read in the Bible verses that, that you can't wrap your mind around? Does that cause you stress? I'll be honest, for me, it, it, it tends to. And I, I, I know other people, it doesn't talk, cause them stress at all. I think personality enters into that a lot and a lot of different factors. But one thing I... I would like to take us back to is Psalm uh, 50, verse 21. It's a, God is rebuking the people, and he says, You thought that I was altogether like you. Again, we're always trying to find a compartment that we can put God into. And God is holy. We can't put him in a compartment that, that we can fully comprehend but as we think about the Trinity, I think it's important to come back to the basics. There is one God, and that one God is the Father, Jehovah, the self-existent one. That one God is the Son, Jesus, the Word made flesh, who was with God and was God. And that one God is the Holy Spirit, the Comfort who, who comes from the Father and from the Son. In John 8, uh, just think about often we are, in regard to the Trinity, we're, we're faced with this um, accusation and saying, you know, there's, did, did Jesus ever say, I am God, worship me? Or is the word Trinity ever used in the Bible? Of course, the, the easy answer to that is, well, no, that, Trinity, that word isn't used in the Bible. Um, and uh, Jesus never literally said, I am God, worship me. And yet, in his life, he revealed himself as God. And in John 8, 54, we read these words. Jesus replied, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My Father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. 
Through you, I'm sorry, though you did not know him, I know him. If I said I didn't, I would be a liar like you, but I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet 50 years old, the Jews said to him, and you have seen Abraham. Abraham lived 2,000 years before this event took place. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. Recognize those words, I am? Normal English grammar, he should have said, before Abraham was, I was. I existed, but he says, I am. And how did the Jews take that statement? At this, they picked up stones to stone him. As far as they were concerned, he was guilty of blasphemy and equating himself with God. We see the same thing in John chapter 10, uh, verses 30 to 33. I'll just read those quickly. Verse 30, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. Again, the Jews picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus said, why are you doing this? Why are you stoning me? And they say, you, for, we're stoning you for blasphemy. You, a mere man, claim to be God. Whatever the Father does, the Son does also. The Father gives life, the Son gives life. Psalm 94, Jehovah is the judge. John 5, 22, Jesus is the judge. Verse 23, honor the son just as the father. And Isaiah 42 says, I will not share my glory with another. I just... So we see Jesus as the cloud rider in Mark chapter 14. And that was also an unmistakable identity as Jehovah. And again, uh, the reaction is from the priests that he has blasphemed, claiming to be God. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Isaiah 9, 6, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Isaiah 7:14. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Thomas, at the resurrection, seeing the resurrected Lord, says, my Lord, calls him my Lord and my God, and he gets no rebuke from Jesus. Paul and Peter both refer to our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And grammatically, in the Greek, I'm told there is no way to separate that out and say he's talking about God the Father and Jesus Christ. No, they both said, our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He's our God and Savior. The Spirit, I'm going to leave. We are at 12 o'clock. And... I didn't get to touch on the other points about God's perfection. You can read Psalm 1830. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is flawless. What if we had a God who was omnipotent and omniscient and omnipresent and evil? 
Well, we wouldn't know because we wouldn't exist. Instead, we've got a God who is merciful. And I wanted to say this, that if ever I fail to appreciate some aspect of God or some aspect of his dealing with me or with mankind, the problem doesn't rest with the creator. The problem rests with me. It's my imperfection not shining through. And God loves me as a father. And you know what? Just as I want my children to be honest with me, to come with me, to come to me with their concerns, to approach me, our Father in heaven wants the same thing. If ever, whenever, I'll say, because it does happen from time to time, I think, why God? I can come to him as my father, I can approach him, he's relatable, he knows me fully, and I can say, God, what's going on here? Teach me. I don't understand this. I don't understand this aspect about you, or I don't understand what you're doing in this circumstance. Teach me your ways, O oh Lord. He is gracious. He's merciful. He's compassionate. He's abounding in steadfast love. He doesn't change. He's that way yesterday and today and forever. Praise be to his name. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, yeah, I knew <laughs> that I had no chance of beginning to touch on you. Obviously, we will enjoy you forever and ever. And what a delight. We rejoice in you, Lord God. We praise you as he who is holy, holy, holy. We marvel at you. Teach us your ways, O Lord. We want to praise you with every breath. Thank you. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen.